Gents, it feels like just yesterday that we were doing this, talking about uh, you know new sets and and cards and stuff. Oh right, wait, it was we we literally ju did just do this last night, less than twenty four hours ago. Uh, we were talking about the monolithic mega drop that is the rest of this summer. Um, but we've saved the best for last because we have a new set staring us in the face. And by new set, I mean, uh, you know, 40 plus cards that were revealed literally today for uh, Commander's Legends, the battle for Baldur's Gate. How are you guys feeling? Are you excited? Are you, you hyped up? Are you pumped? Yes. I'm very excited. I love how Eric started that with a just the deep, like, dreadful sigh. He's like, I swear to God, guys, I'm I'm, I'm super psyched. I'm at the end of my rope with new sets, but I'm excited for this one. <laughs> I agree with that, which I don't know if people could tell that there was sarcasm in my voice when I was doing the opening monologue, but yeah, it's there's a lot of things going on, um, so we probably should just get into it. Uh, we had the big stream thing today, just like we did literally, what, a few days ago, um, and they gave us the the big haul on Baldur's Gate. Chev, I think you were the only one who watched that. Did they do their normal uh, cringy, you know, role-playing and, and stuff and do like the little bits? Yes and no. Um, so they don't, they didn't do what they do with normal sort of uh, premiere sets where they have like all the the setting and people playing roles and going and talking to people. It was very much like three heads on a stream um, talking to each other. And for the most part, it was actually pretty good. A lot of the time was spent showing a card and then the two guests on the show were the lead designer of the set and a D&D &D rep. And between them, they would explain like, this is the person in lore in D&D &D, and here's how we translate it to magic. Uh, the only part that got a little bit questioning was towards the beginning and they were they said, okay, here's what each color is gonna do. And so I was trying to live stream or like live, you know, write this down in our Discord. And when we got to the colors, I was like, all right, starting to write the colors. And they said something like, um, okay, so blue is is like mischievous and it's it's gonna not want people to do their own stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, counter spells, sure. Uh, and, and, and white's gonna have tokens and black is gonna be gra graveyard themed and red will have attacking opponents matter. And I was like, oh, so I don't I don't know if any of this is important at all. So um, this is just the, Magic the Gathering. Right. right. Nice. So there was there were certain elements where you're like, I don't know if this needed to be an hour. Uh, some of this could have been an email, but on the whole, it was it was well put together and it, it gave a lot of um, explanation that I hope to kind of add to while we talk about some of these cards. I, I like the idea of repersonifying the colors, but necessarily going over that red likes to attack and blue likes to disrupt the opponent's game plan. Is, I was uh... I was expecting more. Um, I think I was expecting more of the draft archetypes. They did mention a couple of those, like UB is going to be the the new dungeon venture one. Um, UR is going to be uh, dragons. So there was like a couple things that were briefly mentioned, but going over the monocolor themes, um, those haven't changed in about twenty five years. Yeah, I was gonna say we've already we did we did New Capenna, we did Strixhaven. We've we've been doing a really good job at reinventing the color the color wheel. You don't. For this one, just just make a good draft format. Just like just make it happen. But anyway, um, so yeah, this is a, a draft format, or or is, or is supposed to be. So the pre-release will be a proper draft, right? Mm -hmm. uh, three draft boosters for everyone, and then they'll do the the normal around the table thing. Is Chev? Is it going to be twenty card packs and two picks per pack? Yes. So it's the same per... draft rules as Commander Legends that we saw in twenty twenty, which is all packs are twenty cards. Uh, each pack is going to have, you know, a legendary creature, um, a rare, a foil, and all that stuff. So they're a little bit, you know, premier. And then the pre-release pack will be three draft packs uh, as opposed to six, you know, normal packs. And then it's pick two and pass. Do we have a, uh, a weekend that this is set for yet? Um, yes. Uh, this comes out I think it's the June first 10th. First week of June. So it would be probably June 3rd, June 4th. I apologize for going yeah. off script and just immediately sending us into chaos, but I, I, I think I can finally make a pre-release, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. No, that's that is important. I was, I believe, I was just checking my LGS's schedule the other day, and I think it's the, like the third, the fourth, <laughs> and maybe even the fifth. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see if they do eight-player draft pods or four-player, mm. since it's technically commander. Do you just draft amongst the four of you and then all play in that, or are they going to do like a normal eight-person yeah, draft? Yeah, split into four, or, or, or you know, two eight-person drafts and then you have 
four pods because 16 people or something. I don't know. I'd like but. to see it get mixed up, namely because I, I think it would be sort of... I would feel weird the way we did it where we did four-person pod, four-person draft um, with, like, it necessarily limited what we were playing. Like, we right. couldn't have overlap because we were in the same draft pod, and within the scope of Commander, I think that, yeah, what? Yeah, you certainly tried well, to have gonna, overlap, but it didn't really I was go gonna well. say, yeah, did did we not have overlap? Because it felt like the whole first draft you were just cutting the shit out of me. Right. <laughs> we cut the shit out of each other and it resulted in bad decks and it was terrible. But it'd be cool if you know, I was in a draft group of eight people and then we got jumbled up and then I showed up and I was like, Hey, I'm playing pirates and this other dude was like, Yeah, I'm also playing pirates and that would be interesting that we didn't both end up with garbage decks because we both wanted to play pirates. <laughs> Or in this case, drag. That's fair enough. Yeah. All right, I got it. I guess I guess we'll find out. I got it. Free for all, two-headed giant. <laughs> Four two-player teams. Yep. That's oh, what it's gonna be. Oh, I'll I was gonna say doesn't, games doesn't that'll go three hours. <laughs> yeah. You you get one game the whole pre-release. Okay, I was gonna say though, doesn't free for all and two-headed giant, isn't that like aren't they diametrically opposed, or do you mean like there's just Eight teams of two people, and it's just... Four, four teams of two people. Four, four teams. Ah, I see. Math. <laughs> that would be spicy. But then they'd have to implement the two-headed giant drafting rules, and that's just a mess. There's two-headed giant draft mess. rules? Well, yeah, we did it in BBD. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. BBD. It's just... Wizards has kind of forgotten that two-headed giant is a format. Anyway, this is a whole other topic. But, Wizards, make make two-headed giant great again. Um, Battle Bond 2. So, yeah. That's how the, the format's going to be laid out. There's 360 new cards, so this is a, a rather large set, relatively. Um, so, plenty of new toys to... Uh, wait, actually, like, 360 new cards? Um, not including I'm, reprints? I think it would probably include reprints. The set is 360 cards with 885 total legendary permanents, uh, 27 monocolor legendaries with the new choose-a-background mechanic, 25 backgrounds, 33 multicolor creatures, and all planeswalkers in the set can be your commander. Uh, now, Chev, what's a background? Is this like some sort of new booster fun art thing? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Eric, as we go to uh, material people probably care about. Background is the new partner. Um, <laughs> background <laughs> Backgrounds are legendary enchantments um, that can be in your command zone if you have a commander that says, uh, choose your background. So it's essentially a partner's with, but it's partner's with background. And... Each of these affect your commander creatures in some way. So you could still play them in the 99 as well. Uh, for example, one is, the, the easiest to explain would be Raised by Giants. A six mana green legendary enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have base power and toughness 10-10 and are giants in addition to their other types. So the idea is you can have this and something like the uh, <laughs> the bear. I think his name's Wilfred uh, that got spoiled today. He has Ward 2, Reach, Vigilance... Or Vigilance and Trample or some combination of those. And then you slap this on him and he's a 10-10 with all those stats. Um, but it, it, it gives you more variety and it, it's a very thematic thing for D&D uh, &D where you kind of like get to pick what is the background of your commander creatures. So there's like, yeah. you know, a criminal past or a noble heritage and each one will do something different. I mean, I think we have to... We've already established that we have one of one of the the greatest commander variant of all time. I think we need to make a spin-off variant that uh, incorporates backgrounds and classes uh, into it, so that we can have basically just the full character creation um, <laughs> draw in that in that variant. So or I could just finally get my shit together and we could play D and D. Um. <laughs> that as well. That is what well. I'm. I mean, I'm down for both. But yeah, uh, I I have been asked in the notes to weigh in on my D and D opinions where I have them, and I think this is a good representation of backgrounds. None of these are game breaking, but they'll show up often enough and be relevant enough to your character that I think it's a good translation of like the background system in D and D and how you can sort of choose where your character comes from in terms of their past. Um, also, one of the backgrounds, very interestingly, is sort of a redo of the, uh, oh, what's what's its name? The Pied, or the something Piper? Yeah, the um, Prismatic, Prismatic Piper. Faceless one. Faceless uh, it, one. Yes. It is the faceless one in this, uh, because, again, they sort of recognized 
listen, if someone's getting completely screwed over in the draft, we have to find a way to help them out of what, like, monocolor garbage, uh, as very nearly happened to Oakley when he did, almost just didn't have enough playables to make a deck. Um, <laughs> well, that was my but fault. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Faceless One is a 5-mana 3-3. Three, three. Legendary enchantment creature background. Uh, if it is your commander, uh, include like backgrounds are also like your commander, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Choose a color before the game and begins. Faceless one is the chosen color. Notably, now I'm wondering, what if you animate these enchantments? They affect themselves because they are your commander as well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Starfield of Nyx and other stuff like that's gonna get. A little wonky with these, but the, or what, isn't Starfield hey, oh. of Nyx the one that makes everything enchantments Wait, or all uh, enchantments yeah. creatures? So, yeah, yeah, opalescence. Yeah, yeah. Um, opalescence. Yep. I actually didn't realize Faceless One was also a background. I thought he was just like the stand-in commander if you just like couldn't find one in the colors that you wanted to play. But They're both. Uh, they they can be your commander, and you choose a background with them, or they are the background. They can right. they can fill either slot depending on which card you have of or, the color that you like. Both slots. Both slots. <laughs> faceless one, faceless one. That's when you get kicked out of the LGS. Yeah. They're just New like, you could have had deck. anything and you did this. This one doesn't seem to actually do anything for your commander, though. It's basically just a 3-3, right? That you have Yes, as right. It, it adds a color to yeah. your deck, and that's yep. it. Yeah, um, it's pretty much strictly for color oh, identity. I see. Like, like the Prismatic I Piper. See. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so you could have two of those and just be like, I just got a bunch of good red and green cards, so I guess one's red and one's green. There we go, you know. And and you can play one of them as just a, a generic five mana three three, because yep. you need to block because I don't know, you already train wrecked your draft or something. <laughs> um, Eric, you you feel that that background is a is a reasonable representation of how it works in D and D. But what about um one of the first things that you do in D and D, uh, and I have I feel uh, uh, something that we're going to be doing a bunch is a uh, Rolling for initiative, or in this case, taking the initiative. How, how do you feel about this translating into magic? Yeah, I mean, take the initiative is clearly something very different than, like, the roll for initiative <laughs> that people are familiar with, because uh, I, when I hear roll for initiative, or, like, take the initiative as a magic card, I think, I don't know, like, an extra combat step, or, like, first strike, right. or something. Uh, but this is something that is completely different, but completely different in a very cool way. Um it involves essentially bringing a new dungeon into the game, the Undercity. Uh, the way the Undercity works is that whenever you take the initiative or uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control the under or if you control the initiative, uh, you venture into the, the dungeon. Uh, specifically, if... Okay, it's... I'm lost. <laughs> I'm just going to read the card because this is the easiest way to explain it. Whenever one or more creatures a player controls deal combat damage to you, that player takes the initiative. There will also be cards that instruct you, take the initiative. Uh, it, much like the Monarch, needs to be introduced to the game before it can be claimed. Uh, whenever you take the initiative and, at the beginning of your upkeep, venture into the Undercity. If you're in a dungeon already that is not the Undercity, advance to the next room. If not, enter the Undercity and then advance as normal. And another interesting facet here is the Undercity cannot be entered except through taking the initiative. Any old cards yes. that venture into a dungeon can't venture into this one. And I think that's a great thing because this, it's a bit of a beefier dungeon. Uh, the effects, they're not huge, but they're bigger than we it's saw It's actually the good. They're, they're actually <laughs> things you kind of want to see. So it, it adds something more interesting and, and fun to the game. Um, and it wouldn't be fair to have this be <laughs> on par with all the other ones, too. It, just because you can't um, enter the Undercity by venturing into the dungeon, can you, if you are already in the Undercity and you venture into the dungeon, can you proceed further into the Undercity? I believe so, yes. I, I guess I don't uh, know how else it would work, right? Because would you, like, enter a separate dungeon as well as the Yeah, you can only that... be in one dungeon at a time. And the way... I don't think we have an official line on that yet, uh, but the way that the cards are written for the ones that interact with this mechanic, they reference all dungeons. So a lot of the cards that are like, take the initiative, um, and or if you've completed a dungeon, not specifically okay. the Undercity. 
So I'd assume yeah. they're trying to play with it in the rules as much as possible. Similar to how when Eric was yeah. reading it out, okay. if you're already in a different dungeon, you just go through that one. Yeah. Okay. So it's just stuff. getting in. <laughs> it's just getting in. Yeah. Basically. It's just okay. getting in. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah. I would try to explain the shape and nature of the Undercity to you. However, I will not. It is one, two, three, four, five rooms long, and it varies between two and three, like, rooms wide. Uh, it is a complex dungeon. It is very modal. I like that there's a lot of choice involved in how you explore it. Um, I think it was Julian, due to the blue coloring of the text here, who made the point that Monarch and the Initiative should just start in every game. And I like that idea, and I think it's fun. But, yeah. They just help... I mean, I think we all agree. They just help move the game along. They give an added boost, especially, like, if you're behind. Eric, you you noted here that you think that the, the person who goes last should get both. I, I would say third and fourth. Yeah, it should be third and fourth, because if the person who goes last gets yeah. both, they will stay together forever. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> much. That was yeah. my first thing. It was like, I only want one then. <laughs> yeah, but um, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, I think that's something that we can definitely start to experiment in our Rule Zero uh, conversations. And the Undercity... I'm definitely excited to go into that. Like you said, Jeff, it's a, a beefier dungeon. I mean, one one of the options is target player loses five life, which I'm just I'm just here to get someone. Yeah, just point the gun at them. One just so. one route through the undercity for an example of how strong it can be is fetch a land to your hand, uh, put two one one counters on target creature. Uh, target player loses five life. Draw a card. Reveal the top 10 of your library, put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield with 3-1-1 counter. So on it, it gains hexproof until your next turn. Shuffle. Each of those is about worth a card, I feel like. It's pretty spicy. Not like a commander card, but like there are cards that do each of those things. And and plus, when you're venturing or, or taking initiative, these are things that are already tacked onto other cards that are doing things, right? It's not like you're like paying mana to just be like i just want to move one room further like you're already doing things but you're getting a substantial payoff i would say mm. and this initiative might also enable like a proper dungeon deck i guess in the format which would definitely be cool because it it was looking pretty bleak for a while yeah. there after afr it'll be interesting to see how much um can actually be given to a dungeon deck uh considering i bet a lot of these will be take the initiative so it'll probably be like overwhelmingly taking the initiative and then with some support from previous cards that venture. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see see what can happen from that. Especially what there's a legendary, I think it's blue-white from AFR that's, you know, if a, a room in a dungeon would trigger, it triggers an additional time. Um, that's yeah. going to be pretty sweet in this this sort of setup as well. Uh, moving on to, to some of the smaller smaller mechanics that are in the set. Gates are coming back. Um, particularly Baldur's Gate is going to be in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, uh, as well as some other no, gates. No, really? It's crazy. Uh, there's going to be nine total. <laughs> All right, so which two-color combo didn't get it? <laughs> so it sounds like there's there's going to be five that are used for color fixing. Um, imagine, if you will, thriving lands, but gates. Um, I'm not going to tell you where I got that information, but that is going to be a cycle of them. Uh, and then you have Baldur's Gate, which is the Cabal Coffers of Gates, where you tap two and it, add mana of one color equal to the number of gates you control. And on stream, they mentioned that there's going to be, all the rest of the gates will be referencing um, the number of gates you have. So kind of trying to make them as synergistic as possible uh, with what exists. I just I only have one thing to say, and that's that the world did not need more Maze's End players. Yeah, Maze's End spiked incredibly hard when leaks came out and that was incredibly unfortunate <laughs> well so now they have now they have a full or even more they now if they're if there's going to be nine more there's like 24 gates now mm-hmm. so 20 you know that's one that's like because there were 10 what? originally right there's and some then... other random ones we got a couple more fixing ones like rupture spire style when uh we returned to ravnica because what you need 10 or you yeah. need nine plus mazes end a total of 10 mm-hmm. and it's like uh, Maze's End you got plenty. is not a gate. All right, so you need 10 oh, other okay, ones. So you need 10 <laughs> plus Maze's End. You could probably yeah, pull this yeah, off it's... in four color now. <laughs> you can, which is uh, which is interesting. And yeah. then we have Adventures uh, yeah. coming back a little bit. Um, it was interesting reading through some of the design notes for this set. 
Uh, they mentioned how, and we'll we'll get to a, where they did find room for party uh, later on, but they were looking for something to kind of bring out a, a interesting idea from D&D that had imported to Magic. They originally decided against using party in the main set because it only cares about four classes and D&D has 12. And so they didn't want to put an extra emphasis on those four at the cost of the other eight. Uh, and they thought that adventures would be a very cool way to kind of bring them in, uh, bring in a different mechanic that was a little more um, playable and you can do other stuff. And we're seeing it on things that aren't creatures this time as well. There's like some weird artifact uh, book. And notably, uh, we are getting a Bant legend with the Lucky Clover ability of mm. double adventures, which I think is super exciting. Yeah, it's wild to me. I don't know. It's it's just funny that that was a card that got banned. I know this isn't a standard set, but a card that got banned in standard. And now it's just like, hey, it's back. <laughs> you guys remember this? Well, I mean, I, I kind of like it because Adventure, for me, was always a super oh, yeah. interesting mechanic. But it, I mean, between between the Unholy Trinity of Brazen Borrower... Um, uh, Bone Crusher Giant and Lovestruck Beast that just absolutely dominated the format for a full two years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that deck was you know, sick, though. You have to admit it, the deck. Oh, listen, the deck was sick, and all those cards were sick, and all the standard decks they saw playing, they were just super annoying and super prevalent and super dominant. But the overall adventure mechanic and Lucky Clover as an engine was super cool. So I'm glad that this is now getting scaled up or theoretically scaled up. We we haven't seen yeah. that many adventure cards yet into the commander space because it's definitely something that I would like to experiment, um, especially as like a medium power or even a budget sort of deck, just playing like mono adventures. Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about, whenever we get these one-off sets with a mechanic, it never leaves you with enough good stuff for a commander deck. Um, so so whenever they kind of can show up a second time and increase that pool is going to be great. Uh, the card they showed off on stream was particularly thematically interesting for adventures too. It was Illithid Harvester, a 5-mana 4-4 with the adventure 2, blue, and X for a sorcery to tap X target creatures. They don't untap during their controller's next untap steps. Um, And then when you cast Illithid Harvester, it has, when Illithid Harvester enters the battlefield, turn any number of target tap non-token creatures face down. They're 2-2 horror creatures. And I didn't know much about Illithids uh, before watching this stream. But it's very thematically how illithids make more illithids uh, is they plant these tiny little bugs inside other creatures that slowly transform them into tentacle monsters. So it plays very well into tapping the other creatures down and then while their defenses are uh, lowered, turning them into other horrors, which uh, is the creature type being used by... Uh, If anyone watched the trailer for Baldur's Gate 3... You watched this happen where there were the two people, like, chained up in the Illithid space, like, not spaceship, but, uh, like, Illithid, like, flying machine, and then, uh, the big, like, tentacle-faced Davy Jones-looking dude dropped the, like, worm in their eyes. This just gives me, uh, heavy, this gives me heavy, like, alien vibes, and the only reason I say that is because, for whatever reason, I was at, like, a moderately swanky bar, uh, about a week ago, and they had a TV there, and instead of playing, you know, like, I don't know, the NBA Finals or, like, the news, they just had Alien on while we were all, like, in suits. Hell yeah. So that was interesting, <laughs> but, uh, nice. but yeah. Anyway, what? There's only one more mechanic, Chev, and that is the party, right? Which is only... Party is not in the It's in the set. commander set, though, um, which comes along the, with it. Which, do we want to address this now? The fact that right. there is this main set, this draftable set, it's made to be a draft environment similar to the original Commander Legends, but they're also making fully fledged a full set of fully-fledged commander decks to go along with this. I don't have an issue with this normally. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So if you remember, they did do this with Commander Legends. There were two commander decks that came out with Commander Legends. That's how AC came into existence. And Wyleth. Right, but I hate AC, and so I'm allowed to just start on the premise of these cards suck. Except for one of them's a dragon, so only three of them suck. Right, one of them's a dragon um, that whenever one or more dragons you control attack an opponent, go target creature that player controls. And whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, if that creature had to attack this combat, you put a 1-1 counter on the creature and draw a card. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty solid, and it's a 5-mana f- with flying and haste. Chev, Chev said on the creature, but I'd like to clarify, you put... Yeah, a yeah. counter on the dragon 
that has this ability on it. It it gains power the more it successfully goads creatures. Um, Firk Rag, the cunning <laughs> instigator. Namely, I want to talk shit about uh, Captain Nagarthrod uh, mm. because it's a mill commander who wants you to do combat damage to mill your opponent. It's like, <laughs> oh, whenever your horrors deal combat damage, you get incidental mill equal to the damage they dealt. By the time I've milled someone, they're dead twice over. This I think, is not. I think Captain uh, Nagarthrod is trying to more be a reanimation commander. Like, there's some mill going on, but that secondary ability of choosing an artifact or creature that was milled this turn and putting it onto the battlefield under your control can be kind of spicy. So it's probably, you know, either reanimation or you just go heavy on the mill with things that we've seen in Eric's Around Me deck uh, and just be occasionally. I'm actually I'm I'm I really like the Gruul commander that was spoiled, uh Faldorn Dreadwolf Herald, the three mana three three. Uh it so I, I liked Prosper when it first came out. Um and I think I had like a Prosper l relatively budget deck that I played for a little bit. But as every set just kept bringing more and more to Prosper, uh in six months it becomes kind of like, okay, this is boring now. Uh but when you add green instead of black Whenever you cast a spell from exile or a land enters the battlefield under your control from exile, create a 2-2 wolf. And tap one in it, discard a card, exile the top card of your library, you may play it this turn. So it's not as much of an engine as Prosper, and it does require additional resources. And I just think it's going to be more interesting to make just a giant army of wolves uh, than drawing an obscene number of cards. This is now your excuse to have a, a, a tribal wolf deck, but it can be good and uh you know do things exactly tovalar will be in the 99 because i believe he buffs that tovalar's abilities whenever a wolf deals combat damage so we might we might find <laughs> i feel like this home. is gonna go down yeah. the same route the previous two iterations of werewolves has <laughs> it could just devolve into a bad tribal deck or it becomes not wolves at all and it's just a good like rule mid-range deck basically <laughs> There is one last thing that just bears mentioning. I don't know that we've actually seen any spoilers that use this mechanic, but it is... Con oh, no, we have seen a couple, but it's confirmed that D20s are back. So you should probably go into Baldur's Gate understanding that it is as complex as any set of commander decks. Uh, they're throwing everything in there. They're trying to focus on certain mechanics like adventures, like rolling with a D20 and that sort of chart approach we've seen on other things. And then there's a couple cards that do rolling uh, in a slightly different way, like the spoiler we saw already, the Ancient Brass Dragon. Um, deal combat damage to a player, roll a D20. When you do, put any number of target creature cards with total man value X or less from graveyards where X is the result. Uh, so we're, we're seeing like what we saw in AFR. We're seeing some other versions where we're just kind of taking the roll's uh, total value and some other stuff. Um, but... Like, Myriad is in this, this set as well on at least one card. So we're, we're going to see a lot of complex mechanics probably just thrown in there, uh, but aren't taking center stage like it's, these are. It's felt like a lot of the recent non-core um, standard sets, you know, a lot of, like, the supplemental sets have just become Time mm -hmm. Spiral, where they just throw whatever mechanics they want, and it's just, like, this one card has yeah. this one mechanic, which I, I actually appreciate because so many times we've looked at sets and been, like, this has landfall, but like it doesn't have landfall, or like this has whatever. But and I'm like, right. just use the keyword. Like even if you have to write what it does, just use the keyword so that like when people do their searches and they want to make landfall tribal or whatever, <laughs> um, or even something nicher, they can see it as opposed to having to do all these crazy searches. Yeah. Um. Is it only D20s confirmed, or are they gonna have all the different dice like they did in AFR that had like D4s and d12s and whatevers i would assume the d20s are the only in the main set and we'll see another d4 d6 dx uh in the commander decks that is that is my assumption because like pre-release packs come with a d20 uh it, it seems like that's where they would probably try mm. to keep it I, th I think they did the other dice sort of for like a completionism thing previously and now that there's a card that's d4 d8 d10 d12 i think we're good <laughs> I, I i don't know that we need those again <laughs> We need coin flips. No, we though. don't. We don't need you that need at all, Jeff. D2. We don't, we don't need D2. it. D2. Okay, listen. D2. <laughs> if they were like roll a D2, I'd be like, "All right. All right, Jeff, bring out like your, you know, your your uh, Scrooge McDuck stack of gold coins and you can flip them all day." Yep. But only if it says D2. Yep. Kind of going off of what we what Julian was saying about uh, keywords that aren't exactly keywords. We have a new take on dethrone in this um set as well it, it's popping up on a couple cards so i'll give an example of one it's a background guild artisan a one in a red commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks a player 
if no other opponent has more life than that player, create two treasure tokens. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this is just a much lazier and not as cool or interesting version of Dethrone, if, if you ask me. Uh, I, I think the stipulation that you should also have to be not the player with the most life to get, like, the proc is just uh, a much more interesting way to build a deck. And, uh, like, honestly, much more fair, because I could totally see, like, alright... I'm at 40 life, and my opponents are at 13 life, 6 life, and 5 life. I'm attacking this person for 13 li with 13 life, and I'm getting this, like, crazy benefit from it. It's just like, do we, do we really need that? Um, yeah, and I, I don't know, I guess I also have fond memories of, like, uh, the old Marchesa, um, specifically with a card, like, Unspeakable Symbol, mm -hmm. I know it is just, like... <laughs> Julian's giving me a look right now. But th that card is essentially just, like, everything that that deck wants, where, like, you pay three life to put a 1-1 counter on something, and then Marchesta's ability is something like, if a creature dies with a 1-1 counter, bring it back, or something like that, after it dies. Um, and so it, it was just a very cool angle, because you were kind of playing, yeah. like, you know, almost like a Death Shadow-type strategy, where you're trying to reduce your own life gradually as you were attacking your opponents, but this type of thing is just not conducive to that sort of gameplay. So I don't think it's as interesting, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see, like, if if it's given a lot of power um, to these sort of triggers. And it, it certainly feels like, a, oh, you know, people would feel bad when they have the most life and then they can't use all mm. the special powers of their deck. Boo-hoo. But, like, if they have the most life, then they're probably doing okay uh, for the most part. I would be I would be okay with this if it didn't say treasures on the card. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just stop. Just just freaking stop it. And this is coming from the homeboy who plays Jolene, the treasure queen. Stop. I was going to say, Julian, you just made a treasure deck. Like, Oh, what? no. I know. You can't tell them to stop making treasure no, decks. No, I 100% I, I can. We've said this many times, Eric, that I, I recognize the problems, and I don't think that they should be things. But it's like the whole can't beat them, join them, you know. If there are broken tools, I'm going to utilize them. You know, same thing with fucking Cyclonic Rift and Soul Ring. We've had this conversation a million times. Julian was born into this world as a hypocrite, and he'll go out like oh, one fuck. two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that they're they're doing the sort of dethrone thing because even though yeah, I liked the game of having to manage your own life total. Um, but this still does encourage, you know, combat encourages aggression which is something that mm -hmm. we're moving away from. Basically, any added multiplayer mechanic they can do is worth worth putting into a set like this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Especially if you're doing your pre-release and it's like there's no mm -hmm. established uh, political dynamics, you know, between a, a play group like ours that has played for so long. Like, if you're just like, well, sorry, bud, I just met you a half hour ago, but here I come. <laughs> <laughs> um, something I'm yeah. super hyped for, sort of, I, I guess, changing directions, uh, the Ally Color Battle Bond Lands, which are enter the battlefield tapped unless you have two more opponents, so essentially just dual lands that you can't fetch, mm -hmm. um, are being reprinted in this set, and that's especially cool for me, because I don't own any of them, <laughs> except for the Luxury Suite, I think, <laughs> um, but the rest of them, I'm just, you know, I'm looking to pick up, uh, maybe in a pack or two, that's very exciting. Yeah, those are going to be good, and Reflecting Pool is getting a reprint as oh, well. Oh, love that land. Also in the main set. Turn one Reflecting Pool, best play in the game. It is a land that can do literally nothing. I have conflicting feelings on this because normally sets like these are where you want to see those good reprints. And obviously we've got Double Masters coming up, so, you know, for that, I feel like nothing's off the table. But um, it's hard to reprint a lot of things in a set like this because you have to maintain flavor so heavily, right? So you can't just reprint mm -hmm. staples generally you can't reprint staples in here um so it'll be interesting to see what they do but there are already a few low low key uh reprints that i'm i'm happy about the uh, the diamonds the two mana single mana mana rocks that come in yep. tapped one all the new arts are sick so that's already a, a huge thing up um they're all commons and i think these should just see play especially if you're trying to uh kind of converge at that slightly lower or middling power level or if you're trying to play a budget deck these are things that we've championed uh, significantly on the pod uh, the diamonds are definitely worth your consideration um uh, i mean say what you want about arcane signet but it's it's a good card it's always going to be moderately expensive like soul ring so they're they're reprinting it and uh the reprint swiftfoot boots which is great 
But where in the ever-loving hell are the Lightning Greaves? Wizards. It's like a $12 card now. Just freaking reprint the Greaves. You've reprinted Swiftfoot Boots into oblivion. <laughs> well, I think Swiftfoot Boots, is that uncommon? Like, they can probably print it a bit easier than I Greaves. I think Greaves has been printed at uncommon a few times. Julian, Greaves, Greaves are in the garbage because Wizards hates Shroud. Yep. I was going to say. True, yeah. They will not, they're not going to print it again. They have all but sworn off that mechanic. It's a damn shame. They all but sworn off. They all but sworn off protection and phasing and all this other shit. And then in the last like year and a half, they just brought they just brought it all back. <laughs> just give me the griefs. Right. Julie, might I interest you in some winged boots? They have ward what the hell two. Is, what what are those? Is that just like a fake swift foot boots? It, it was from AFR. It's like blue boots uh, that give your creature flying and ward two and I think maybe haste. See, those sound good, Julian. Why don't you use those? If, but what about my non blue decks? What non-blue decks? Julie, you don't have any non-blue decks. I have several. Your gruel deck, where everything can already just go punch face whenever it wants. Two gruel decks. I have the Mardu deck that I've been playing a bunch. I have all the right, Abzan all right. deck. Fellas. <laughs> we're, we're losing uh, scope. Yeah, I'm just here to shit talk. <laughs> uh, they're bringing back the traditional D&D art style prints of cards. Yeah. Uh, of which, so far, I think they all look super good. Uh, namely, Ancient Brass Dragon looks amazing. Looks straight out of the Monster Manual. Um, as well as, I think the Lightning Bolt art yeah. is really good. Honestly, yeah. the non-D&D uh, border-style Lightning Bolt is very cool as well, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, the, both arts are super stylistic, I feel like. Are we getting the module, like the adventure module, like the lands, remember? The uh, the man lands mm. and the evolving wilds? Because that was my favorite treatment. Are we getting that? Do we know? No, we have no idea. Ah, sad. Uh, I would assume not. I don't think unless the gates maybe um like reading through the description of um what is in each of the different uh boosters because for the set there are collector boosters set boosters and draft boosters um so there was nothing in there that that pointed to those kind of uh treatments but occasionally they would say booster fun um as kind of the catch-all word for you know the extended art or the rule book or the borderless treatment for planeswalkers um etc etc well, I don't know. A man can dream. Uh, I like the module ones, but the the monster book style is cool as well. Sorry, once again, gonna fire completely off script here. Uh, so we've seen two of the gods of the Swords Coast. Yes. Uh, we've seen Merkul, Lord of Bones, who is Abzan, as well as uh, Baal, Lord of Murder, who is Mardu. Uh, great Jund. name, by the way. No, Jund. He's Jund. Jund. Amazing Murder. name, by the way. Makes sense that the three gods would be Mardu. The three, like, dead monster gods would be Jund, Mardu, and Abzan. So they're god creatures, and their indestructibility clause is if your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total as a kind of way to show that they're they're dead and they activate at a, a longer point in the game. I'm personally very excited for uh, somewhere out there, someone to... Uh, what's the... What's the gruel land? It's like firelit thicket, or there's a gruel land where you, when you tap Grove it, you give your opponent's willows. life. Yeah. Grove of the burn willows. For someone to tap that, remove the indestructibility on one of these things, and then kill it, it's gonna be funny every time. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So of the uh, of the cards we've seen so far, does does anyone have sort of favorites or um, things they're looking at either for EDH, PDH, etc.? I'm very excited for a bunch. Obviously, this is a commander set, right? There's a ton of legends at AFR. There's a few legends that I'm eyeing. Uh, I think I'm going to save that for our proper set review where I might talk about how I want to build those. But I just want to I want to talk about you look upon the Tarrasque. Um, it's just an uncommon four and a green for an instant. Uh, we, we have, I guess this is technically a mechanic, but we have the uh, flavor keywords. So this is like yep. choose one, run and hide. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to you and creature you control this turn. So a, a very expensive fog. Uh, or gather your courage. Target creature gets plus, plus, plus five, plus five, indestructible, and all creatures your opponents control able to block that creature this turn do so. Uh, pretty cool. The art is just so good. This is what the Tarask deserved because his art in AFR was medium. <laughs> Not that imposing, mm. I would say. And this is just... This is what we need. It's because my limited understanding of D and D is the Tarask is like when your when your campaign has gone on too long and you're like, all right, we gotta like finish this campaign. We want to make new characters and do the thing. You you bring the Tarask in, and usually he he cleans your clock. Uh, this is this is excellent. I, 
I hate to shatter your illusion. <laughs> the Tarask is an unfortunately accurate representation of how good the Tarask is in D&D. If you go into it with no planning and you literally just walk into the Tarask with nothing, you're going to get absolutely worked. However, the Tarask cannot fly. It does not have any movement abilities really beyond I'm going to walk over there. <laughs> it, it literally only deals like two different types of damage, of which there are several ways to become immune or resist. It is a bad end campaign monster, and so when they were like, yeah, it's just kind of a big beat stick that if you like want to kill it with a murder spell, it's not going to work. It kind of made sense. <laughs> you know, that's a little disappointing, but at least it's true to form. I guess I was just I was misinformed, or maybe this is maybe this is outdated. Maybe this is old meta from back when D and D was a, uh, you know, original. Yeah, um, I I really like look upon the Tarask as well, namely because I like gather your courage with like there's a bunch of small death touch creatures out <laughs> there, and just gather your courage targeting one of those. Uh, is going to be pretty dangerous. Uh, namely, you also... Yeah, Gather Your Courage does not have to target one of your own creatures. And so, if two players are kind of ahead, or, you know, someone's swinging in to get uh, just, like, some card draw procs or something, you can play this combat trick on someone else and force them on wanted blocks, deal with some problematic creatures even if you don't have the creature to swing in with. I think the only other card I, I personally want to mention is this Planeswalker. We've seen uh, this one, Elminster, who's the blue-white one, as well as Minsk and Boo was spoiled like a while ago when they mm -hmm. first did the initial spoils. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many Planeswalkers they release because all these ones can be your commander. Um, Elminster... There's a, there's a blue-black one that was spoiled too. It's a witch um, that has something to do with like casting spells you don't own and making 3-3... Three, three monsters for them yeah. all right i mean i think elminster is cool it's a blue white planeswalker so obviously that already turns people off but um comes in with five loyalty for five mana which is not bad he can be your commander of course um and then whenever you scry the next instant or sorcery you cast this turn costs x less where x is the number of is the amount you scryed um we've seen a bit of this support there was notably that one partner in commander legends that cared about um you scrying um, and scry, I think, is just a really cool mechanic, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of cards that just have scry tacked on, incidentally. Uh, so this is mm -hmm. just kind of, eh, I mean, it's a cool draw slash control, whatever, or you can just use it kind of as a generic commander for other things. It's plus draws a card and scries, and then it's it's minus a creates a a token to protect itself. So I don't know. Dirtly, your favorite thing. Precisely. <laughs> what about you guys? What do you, what do you got? What's a uh, Peaking your interest. I think I only have one card that I'm I'm really stuck on, uh, and it's Elder Brain. Yep. <laughs> uh, it 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 goes in the mill deck, and it's gonna be sick as hell. Uh, namely because of the Araumi, uh, and the uh like reanimation sub theme in there. I think this is a very fun card to bring back and just say, okay, now you all have to deal with an Elder Brain attacking you. Uh. And I also really like that it's an attack trigger as opposed mm. to a deals combat trigger. Yeah, I'm just happy it's not an ETB trigger, as we covered in a previous pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah this, thing is a, this thing is nasty. It'll, it's not going to be fun to contend with, but it's, it's certainly potent. I, I haven't given a lot of thought to, to the commanders yet. There's Obviously, all of them have some really cool abilities. Um, but I was most looking at some, some of the changes that will be for, for PDH. Because, of course, we're getting uh, a whole set of tent post uncommons. Um, so that's going to be at least 10 new PDH legendary commanders besides all the uncommon creatures in the set. One card that came specifically to mind that I saw coming out was um, it was a common blue equipment. That was a pair of goggles. Two mana to play, two mana goggles to equip. And whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage, scry one, then draw a card. Uh, we don't have a draw equipment yet uh, for that right in Popper, so that's going to be pretty sweet. And then they just dumped a ton of other commons and uncommons that um, there's a blink one, there's an exile effect, there's all kinds of really interesting stuff there. Uh, unfortunately though, I, I was telling Oakley earlier, uh, <laughs> since we maintain the script that allows you to, if you want to play PDH and you go to Scryfall and you look up a creature, 
and it says legal as commander or um, something like that, you want to filter by legal PDH commanders. We don't have an official ruling on um, backgrounds yet. So I'm I'm pretty sure, right, that the, the PDH RC will say, yes, a background can be your commander, but the current rule is an uncommon creature. So also that discludes, you know, the prophetic Piper reprint faceless one or faceless name, whatever it is. Um, so faceless one, one is, is is an uncommon creature, I believe. It's common. Um, uh, oh, I did not know that it couldn't go below. I didn't know it had to be exact. Yes, so that is an actual rule that it can't go below, um, which is why Oakley was so giddy with excitement when Grey Merchant yeah. was printed at uncommon and Theros Beyond yes, Death. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what we have to do to change the uh, legality script to add now an enchantment can be your command. And if you're listening to this and you see something's um, wrong, uh, shoot us an email. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we will. But I, I imagine this is from someone who's done no work on the project and is just occasionally like, ah, look at all the cool things. Uh, I feel like searching for type background wouldn't make it that hard to show legality. Because no other enchantment could be your commander. It has to be a background. Right. At the end of the day, what it's going to do is it's going to change, like, what we actually fetch from Scryfall as, like, the legalized commander. Um, but we would need to fetch, you know, backgrounds and then check against the other stuff. And everywhere where we could assume it's a creature, we now can't, is the main thing. Um, so that can take a bunch of different forms. Unless uh, they print exactly an uncommon creature who is legend or an uncommon creature that says you can have a back, like choose a background. It doesn't matter because may I introduce a... Wilson refined grizzly <laughs> green and one for a two, two legendary bear. This spell can't be countered vigilance, reach trample ward two. choose. a background. <laughs> he is my favorite one <laughs> so far. He is just a lovely bear drinking something. Oh, um, <laughs> And I can't wait to do something I, terrible with him. I thought you were going to name him as your nemesis because he he alone right now causes this problem. I, oh no, uh, Safana uh, uh, Calimport Calimport Killer, uh, two and a black Dude. menace at the beginning of your end step. If yeah. you have the initiative, create a treasure. Uh, if you've completed a dungeon, make three instead. Choose a background that is also uncommon. Yeah. Never There's mind. This is definitively there's, your problem. There, there's a few more <laughs> yeah. than that, too, I'm looking at right now, and I'm just getting ready to get the yep. whiskey Oh, really? Out. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll be figuring that out at some point. Just, just there's going to be like five or six of them. Just, just freaking hard code the shit in. Don't just... <laughs> nah. Ban them. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, just we'll ban them. This is too much work for us, and so we're removing them from the format. What a, what a great precedent yep. to set. If you guys want them added, oh you can do it yourself. <laughs> there's also common backgrounds. Oh, wow. So that's going to be wild to see cause if those can technically not be your commander as background because they're common. That's... Yeah, I was, I was oh wondering boy. about that, too. <laughs> I... Be a fun weekend. Well, good luck, boys. <laughs> yeah, carry on. Anyway, anyway, are there uh, any other any other cards you guys wanted to mention before we we wrap this this little bit? Julian, up? I'm surprised you didn't call out. Um, no, knowing how much you liked Survivor's Pack or whatever that uh, dumb artifact from Zendikar Rising was, you didn't call out Dungeoneer's Pack. Three mana, Dungeoneer's Pack comes in tapped, but then you can tap two in it to sacrifice and take the initiative, gain three life, draw a card, create a treasure token. Oh yeah, see, the only reason I didn't talk about that is because I didn't know that card existed. Yeah, I love that card. I will be playing uh, like every <laughs> single one of those I can get in limited. <laughs> I love that this card exists, but I hate what you can do with it. Noble's Purse, two mana artifact. Noble's Purse enters the battlefield with three coin counters on it. Now you might think, oh, this is a mana rock. Like you tap it, you remove a coin counter, you, uh, you get a mana or something. No, you remove a coin counter by tapping it, create a treasure token. What? <laughs> so you just, you just take your money out of the purse? Yeah, and then you and then you have them, but it, it still taps to do it. Uh, but of course, if you have any sort of counter doubler or something like that, you've generated a lot of money from this. <laughs> so dumb. I like the idea of playing this in a deck with inexorable tide. Um, that sounds really Ooh. fun. Oh, that that is fun. That is good wholesome fun. <laughs> it's just the purse that never empties. Um, I, I do want to throw one more thing out there. I had missed this until now. Uh, the literal monster manuals in the game. Uh, We've seen Volo Guide to Monsters in AFR. Volo came back in this set 
And now uh, the Monster Manual is in. Uh, specifically, it is an adventure, or it is a it is an artifact that has an adventure sorcery. Uh, the adventure sorcery seems kind of bad. It's two and a green for uh, the adventure. Mill five, return a creature card mill this way to your hand. So it's not mill five, grab anything. It's mill five, return something from mm. those five. Uh, but then uh, it's also just a four mana artifact with one and a green tap. Put a creature card from your hand into the battlefield. Oh my god. That seems really abusable. That's like, <laughs> it's kind of excessive. <laughs> like, six mana, put any creature into play. You don't cast it, so you don't get, like, cast triggers or mm. anything like that. But that really only matters for Eldrazi. So... That is unfortunate. Uh, Eldrazi and Mioi. Yeah. Are, are two notably expensive tribes. But yeah... I'm sure that nothing else broken can be done for <laughs> six mana, put any creature in the game into play. I think, if anything, this set is going to make me run a lot more enchantment and artifact removal. Got to worry about your commanders now. Got to worry about other stuff. Because uh, I, I think it's too Volo. Uh, th this incarnation of him creates a artifact with hexproof that keeps track of all the creatures you've created. So you can't even get rid of that. You need, like, mass artifact oh, destruction. <laughs> Vandal Blood. I mean, people... People should run Masked Artifact or Enchantment Destruction either way. Mm -hmm. That's That stuff gets out of hand. Very true. Plus, it's the best way to be like, hey, use all of your treasures right now on my turn. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make Jolene right. a 25-25. <laughs> I know that you will, you piece of shit. Oh, I will. Ooh, yeah. Um, all right, all right, all right. We're, I think we're, we're probably good, unless anyone has anything else they want to talk about. I think we're probably good. This was our discussion. It went a lot of places. It probably shouldn't. <laughs> I mean... It's a little all over the place. I would, what you get. I would, I would say the same thing about Wizards card design over the past few years, but uh, you know what it is what it is. <laughs> this is 2022 Hex Drinkers. Yeah. We're loose cannons. All right, all right. Get us out of here. Uh, stop recording. Three, two, one, go. Uh, well, anyway, everyone else left the call, but if you like what we're doing, support us on Patreon and use our affiliate link to buy these cards. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>